0: I'm Caddy Diop. I'm Tafri Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey.
1: Welcome to Yeah! A show
0: where we talk about young adult lit
1: and uh, what it can teach us at any age.
0: This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah! the holidays. <gasps> American Thanksgiving is past. We're finishing up our school projects, I think, each and every one of us. Working on it. Heck yes. yes. <laughs> we're sitting here in front of our little recording studio fireplace. Mm-hmm. We've got our little Crack mugs pudding. of frothy cocoa and our cozy robes. Mm. Jack Frost is just biting noses. Mm-hmm. Cut it out, Jack Frost. <laughs> and we're about to get into Our holiday theme. How are you all feeling about it?
1: I'm so ready. I'm excited, though. I was half expecting you to break out into beat poetry for some reason with that intro. It could have been fun or like some just some good old fashioned slam poetry for Christmas.
0: Jingle. I'm sorry to have disappointed you, (laughs) 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 Caddy. Oh, we are off
1: <laughs> to quite the start today. So this is, this is an, un- this today. audio <laughs> medium,
2: so you didn't just see me almost knock my microphone you into my lap? can't say that.
0: Tom is going to panic.
2: <laughs> I didn't. It just, it, it slid on the table slightly. It's fine, Tom. Still love us, please.
0: This microphone wanders. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why you're talking about microphones when we're clearly huddled around the hearth. Yes. Um, And ready to talk about Christmas cheer.
2: You just broke the magic because our listeners didn't know that both of those things weren't possible at the same time. Edit point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're kicking things off. This is coming out right at the beginning of December. It is December. Second. It is snowy, (laughs) and we're talking about Let It Snow, a novel by John Green, Maureen Johnson, and Lauren Miracle, and we are also talking about the Netflix film Let It Snow, uh, which is not really anything like this book.
2: It is loosely based (laughs) on this book. So I was thinking about this as I was coming over, and I think what happened is some Netflix exec read this book and was like, we can make a movie. Based on this concept, but we don't like most of what's in the book, but we can't just like steal the concept and make a different movie. So we're going to have to say it's based on the book and do like some nods to the book.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this book is from 2008 and it is currently 2019. And mm-hmm. and I think especially film culture has changed a lot since then. Yes. I know I, I'm taking screenwriting right now and I'm taking media classes and we have talked a fair bit about adaptation and kind of I think a lot of what's in the book just like wouldn't translate very well yeah. in 2019 because there's like a lot of like real casual misogyny. So much stuff. casual misogyny. Um, but um, you know there's also pigs.
1: Yes. yes, there is a pig. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask for y'all to uh, mm-hmm. casually summarize the book, mm-hmm. because as it is final season, I did not do my homework. I'm horrible. That is,
2: to be fair, I have read this book several times, and I just skimmed it.
0: In the immortal words but. of Meatloaf, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> True. So, so um, the first... <laughs> I just...
1: I was time. half hoping that you were going to say I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No, You're welcome. I'm <laughs> regretting my choice. I'm regretting my choice. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: So I, I got to say, I ordered this book online mm-hmm. from an evil billionaire and... Uh, <laughs> I really thought it was going to be a small book because it is a Christmas book. You know, um, this is a a thick book. I don't think I, I realized how book.
2: I've only read it in ebook format, yeah. and I was surprised by how large it is. yeah um, it's a
1: chunky book
2: because it's three novellas like the the movie sort of shows the stories in sequence, but the book has them each their own thing, yeah. Um yeah
0: they are not interspersed it is it is it is a, a direct so the first section, the Jubilee Express, which I believe is the storyline of that real hot guy and the girl who's kind of like Vanessa Hudgens, but she's not vanessa hudgens it's
2: it's It's the girl and the the pop star.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But there's no pop star. in the, Yeah. There's no pop star in the book. There's no pop star. She is on a train to go to Florida to visit her grandparents because her parents got arrested in a riot. What? About <laughs> elves. Um, and so she's on a train and then the train breaks down and she's like, I can see a Waffle House out the window and I'm going to just go to that Waffle House. And she does. And then she meets a boy named Stuart who has plastic bags on his head and she ends up at his house. And then they fall in love or whatever. So that's their Yeah story.
1: This is deeply problematic considering what I watched. <laughs> this is shocking.
2: Yeah, that that no, that, that storyline's not the most changed. I would say Addie is the most changed. Oh, I'm excited. I mean to Addie hear more.
0: isn't about Addie anymore. Well, yes. And the movie does do her dirty. Um, but she's also she's kind of shitty. No, no, no. But like I've got to say, mm. we have to finish summer. Okay, yeah, Addie's, <laughs> Addie's storyline is in fact my favorite, and I will get into mm. that in the book. Second one yeah. is not too different. Second one mm. is is about uh, you know Kieran and Shipka and like whoever the current Michael Sierra is. Oh, that's um, a good description. Yeah. of
2: that man. Yep. Um,
0: storyline is different in that JP is in. fact is like one of their good buddies they're like a trio of buddies so what i see is that they kind of took don kyun and jp and turned them both into don kyun in the in the movie yes and made jp into this other character little disappointing i liked the character of jp in the movie Mm -hmm. and Um, there is
2: there's a character in the book who is who jp in the movie becomes who's that because she's Part of why they go to the Waffle House, there's, like, somebody there who, like, he thinks she has a crush on. Yeah, yeah,
0: Um. yeah, yeah. Uh, It's way... I gotta say, like, this is John Green, and I generally like John Green, but I do generally feel like John Green gets a little misogynistic, especially in his older work. Mm -hmm. I think he's improved. Um, And there is a whole storyline about cheerleaders in it that is just awful,
1: and it exists in the film it exists in the film
0: but like it is much Mm -hmm. more intense in the book in the book it's like it's like every other sentence is and 14 cheerleaders and 14 cheerleaders and cheerleaders and cheerleaders
2: it's way worse and then you know
0: and duke is set up as the foil to that but she's just kind of like can we stop talking about cheerleaders because cheerleaders are dumb and i'm cool Mm -hmm. which is like she like gets almost there yeah. We have to talk about John Green sometime because yeah, I think my my, my criticism of John Green can also bear criticism. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, third one, Patron Saint of Pigs, completely different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about Addie, whose boyfriend, Jeb, she broke up with him and then they had a missed connection and she was trying to get to him, but also... Her uh, friend has bought a piglet who she has to pick up for her, but also uh, Addie is very self-absorbed and keeps kind of dropping the ball on other people, Mm -hmm. but it is a journey of self-discovery, and she does develop, and I like that story best because of that, because Mm -hmm. she is, from the beginning, you see the flaws in this character, but you also get to just follow her as she works her shit out. There's no lesbians.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: There's no lesbians. There's in no the lesbians in the
2: book. So that is that is a definitive improvement. There, there's no the lesbians
0: thing. in the book. There's no black people in the book, specifically anyway, explicitly. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I There's do no a- pop stars. <laughs> that part. I there's don't no mom with cancer. There's no Columbia. Hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because instead of the mom <laughs> having cancer, the parents are just in jail.
1: Um. (laughs) Oh, what a you know improvement on that situation. But only
2: temporarily in jail. Mm. Like they they were arrested in a riot over Christmas figurines.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's how you know they're not black. No black parent would ever be caught dead in a riot over Christmas figurines. We may Um, continue.
2: (laughs) But yeah, no, I do agree that, like, the Addy's storyline is nice and that it's about, it's about, like, self-improvement as opposed to some of the other ones. I find that, I think I find it, like, slightly disappointing in that, like, I feel like it's a little, like, fast and easy, the growth. Okay. But I, we can also have different opinions.
0: Yeah, 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 no, I am... I think sometimes with growth, sometimes growth is very slow and and gradual Mm. and progressive. And I think sometimes growth, you do a lot of work inside yourself without noticing. And then Mm. you have a catalyzing moment where your perspective shifts. And I think this book is more about the catalyzing moment kind of growth Mm. than it is about the slow Because sometimes there is some like big event that makes you take a hard look at your life and Mm -hmm. change things. And I think even though it's a breakup and as adults, we can be kind of like, well, it's just a breakup. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's not just a breakup for her. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is, you know, it's an event that finally makes her friends say, hey, this is this is a Mm -hmm. problem in your behavior. It's the moment that makes her her boss be like, this is a problem in in your behavior. Mm -hmm. And sort of all of that makes her look at herself and go, oh, yeah this is a problem in my behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite moment in it is when Maisie, the kind of weird old lady, mm-hmm. tells her, uh, I didn't mark this quote and I should have, but it's essentially like, you're ready to graduate to your next like phase in your life and your problem is that you're sticking yourself in the phase of life that you're in currently mm-hmm. and you need to grow and that's mm-hmm. why you're unhappy. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that's like, it was nice to see that because I do I don't know I am a little more a little more woo-woo than you are this is true <laughs> I'm like much more woo-woo than you are which is <laughs> funny because you are a lot more religious than I am <laughs> it's
1: true <laughs> um, but Wait, how do we distinguish yeah. religious from woo-woo because in my brain religion is woo-woo as well
0: See, I would agree I with that, but I think Bailey has a very Hannah has a very different like perspective. Do you want to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think.
2: <laughs> so I'm gonna be like, define woo woo. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think I think what Taffer getting at is like,
0: I believe in fate. Yeah, I believe in like, I believe in destiny and dreams. I'm I. You know, have crystals, yeah, and I do herbal spells around the phases of the moon.
2: Whereas I like am religious, but I'm also a recovering scientist. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I I say that in jest. I don't think being a scientist is something you have to recover from. Wow. But, <laughs> but I am, I am like at my core very empirical. Mm. Um. And even if I like believe in other things, that is like my my tendency is towards being very empirical. Um and so I think that's sort of what you're talking about. Yeah. But I do I do get what I do get what you're saying about um the catalyzing moment. I think that yeah. does make sense. Yeah. I think
0: I think it's maybe because like I've been thinking a lot about um phases of life and sort mm. of phases of who you are mm. and I think for a long time I was kind of like in that position. For me, it was it really resonated with me because I mm-hmm. think this, uh, graduating from my early 20s to my later 20s, I guess, I think I spent a lot of time in the middle kind of being like, but I feel like I didn't do my youth right and I mm. need to like cling to that and go back and still try to do these things I don't enjoy and still try to like be this person Mm-hmm. and it was just such a ne- like such a wonderful and really life-changing moment to just get to the point mm-hmm. to be like oh no i'm just done with that i'm just past that now mm-hmm. i'm just i'm just in this other phase and like the stress isn't coming from me not doing it right the stress is coming from the fact that i'm not that person Mm. Um, and I do think you have that shift when you go from like high school to college or high school to work, whatever you do after high school, you have to kind of do that shift. And, and we do see Addie kind of towards the end of high school and mm-hmm. she has a big haircut and she dyes her hair. And like the one thing, the one kind of metaphor I like in the story is like at the beginning, she breaks up with her boyfriend, she cuts her hair short and dyes it pink. Mm-hmm. And then at first, everybody's like, what? What happened? Why did you do that? That looks so bad. Why would you? And she's really ashamed of it. And by the end of the story, which is just like 24 hours mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. Uh, people are starting to say, hey, that really suits you. And she's starting mm-hmm. to like it. And like critically, when she and her boyfriend see each other and actually communicate and actually make up, he's like, mm-hmm. hey, I really like this. This looks really nice on you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice metaphor, too, of just kind of she like knew she needed a change. And she made a big change and then she freaks out about it for a while. And then mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, maybe change is good. Maybe change is healthy.
1: It's like yeah, w- nice. one step, one more step into oneself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. On yeah. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
0: And accepting that it's okay, that change is okay. Like change is good. and mm-hmm.
1: so Change did, keeps things yeah. dynamic.
0: I don't yeah. know
1: that I always feel like change is good. Mm. I think it's tough, especially thinking back, like, I don't know, the age of these these characters is um, half of my life ago, um, which is embarrassing and awesome at the same time, because you could not pay me to go back to that age. No. And um, there's something, I don't know, there's something interesting about those moments where you feel like change is great. But change without adaptation time after, like change without just creating that space or being allowed to have that space to just, uh, yeah, just, just sit in it, Mm
0: -hmm. just be like
1: things are changing and I've got to think about things, I've got to reevaluate certain things, I've got to embrace the change, but I've also got to let go a bit of what was there before and that's a process, or as my therapist and I like to say, in very large quotation marks. And while making a face, a journey. I love. I love the idea that change is good, mm-hmm. but when you are forced into change yeah. and when you have no agency regarding change, ugh, that's rough. That's rough. And in watching, in watching the movie, I found it really interesting um, with the superstar uh, storyline that resistance to change made perfect sense right because it was self-imposed change but no buffer area no buffer mm-hmm. time to be able to 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 cope mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, if i may it's like when you repot a plant like the plant's roots have grown into its pot and like the plant it's what we call root bound the plant needs a new pot mm-hmm. And so you get a bigger pot and you get the soil and you put the plant in it and then the plant just freaks out for a while and and goes into shock and you need to give it some time and then after a while it's happy and it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also have a follow-up question for you which is, now I forget how you put it, but you said something about like change where you don't have agency and I'm not so sure that there's ever change with agency really. Like I think humans are really resistant to change and I think if there weren't quote-unquote forced change there might never be any change.
1: I agree with you, actually. I really do. And it's true. It's hard to... I think it might not be actual agency. It might be a sense of control over something, right? Which is why we have different spheres in our life, which is why there are so many elements that come together. I have very little control over what happens in the world. It truly disturbs me on a daily basis, but I do have control over, you know, what time I go to bed and what time I wake up. And I have got control over how much internet I'm consuming. And these small things give me a sense that like, okay, if I can handle these like three responsibilities that I have in life, because the third is obviously paying bills, um, then maybe that makes everything else just a bit more bearable because it gives me something else to focus on. Yeah. I think that yeah. might be more of what I meant.
0: I wonder if, I mean, if you think about like the the phenomenon of the breakup haircut, mm-hmm. it's like maybe you don't have control over the breakup, but you do have control over the haircut. It's like this is some kind of change that I can uh, manage. If anybody has mm-hmm. known me for more than one year. And has known my social media for more than one year. I am uh, real into the changing my hair because everything is changing. And this is the one thing I can do to the point of having a forced buzz cut.
1: I relate to that a lot. I like a good old, hey, it's time to shed old skin. Let us shave it all off and start anew. But then someone um, recently brought to my attention that it could actually be a form of, it could be considered a form of uh, self-harm. And in having a conversation about wanting to shave all my hair off, someone was like, well, is this just an external manifestation of the deep discomfort that you're feeling uh, inside? And I was like, yes, (laughs) it is accurate um and they were like well what would be the difference with say um something else like uh, you know like any other uh you know self-harm practice and I sort of got flustered because I was like "Ooh, is my head shaving am I Is my head shaving more of a, yeah, is it more of a way of externalizing my inner crisis or is it just because it also feels really nice to feel the wind on your bald head? Because we got a
0: lot of nerve endings up there. I have gotten that before. Like, people have brought that up with me before. And I've always been really resistant to it because mostly the people who brought it up were people who were really uncomfortable with women presenting people having short hair. And they'd be like, oh, it's self-harm because you're, like, cutting off what makes you feel beautiful. And I would be like, no, I look really hot with short hair. So, like say word it's not that um and so I've always had a real resistance to that idea but the way you are saying it makes sense to me maybe just hearing it from somebody who's not just like but you're cutting off all your glory which is a direct quote somebody has said to me (sighs) um yeah (laughs) and I are both making (laughs)
1: cringe faces at that (sighs) So, what did you like about this book? Because you two have read this book more than once in mm-hmm. your lives.
0: What uh... I have, Taffers only read it once. Aha! Uh-huh. But I did, but I did actually like give it a proper read through. Mm-hmm. So we have we have three different uh, relationships to this book around mm-hmm. the table. Um, I, I mean, like I said, I really liked the last one, and I found it nice. Like I didn't, I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. This wasn't, this wasn't a Dash and Lily's Book of Days situation um, where it was just a book I couldn't get through. I did find that there were, uh, I liked the relationships with parents. There were a lot of kind of absent parents, but different ways of interacting with absent parents in it. The all of the writing about snow was really good. There uh, a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of humor. I get really mad about starbucks in books and i have a rant about that but i can save no we want it now please i am something of a starbucks connoisseur (laughs) (laughs) i really like starbucks i've been going to starbucks since i was 11 it has been my third place as it were since i was 11 i like to live near a starbucks starbucks is comforting also, I have a lot of friends who have worked at Starbucks. Starbucks is a very good employer. Starbucks pays fair wages, has really good health insurance, provides more uh, trans health care in their insurance policy than pretty much any other capitalist <laughs> employer you can get. So I'm I'm coming at this from a real pro-Starbucks angle. And Which is of- a
1: weird thing to say,
0: just putting <laughs> that out there, but go on. <laughs> I kind of of have two like issues. One is I think people use cheap shots at Starbucks as a way to set themselves up as edgier than now. Now I think this book interacts with that pretty well and shows people from from both sides of that angle. Um, There's a nice moment where, what's her name now? Addie points out Mm -hmm. that the people who complain about the Starbucks being, you know, from elsewhere don't realize that everybody who works there lives in the town, and, you know, the manager lives in the town. The thing that bothers me, and this is silly, is that people just slap together a bunch of Starbucks words as though it's a real drink.
2: <laughs> I, I am delighted that this is your problem with the portrayal of Starbucks in this book, for
0: the record. <laughs> they think they can just get away with that? It worked on me. Everything isn't a mocha. You don't ask for a cinnamon dolce mocha. The cinnamon dolce latte was a specific specialty drink in 2008 to 2009. It was good. And it was a latte. You wouldn't go in and be like a cinnamon dolce white mocha. That's not a thing. I mean, you might. But they have everybody going in and asking for drinks that aren't real drinks. And... I just <laughs> refuse to believe that everybody in this town is so is is so used to customing like like yes you can put a shot of cinnamon dolce in a white mocha but most people don't even know white mochas exist at Starbucks and all of the drinks are mochas and it's like you don't even like you'll go to like <sighs> Like, if you just listen to a Starbucks line, that's not what people... There's somebody who comes in and orders a raspberry mocha every day to go drive his truck. That's not what he's ordering. I'm sorry. He's ordering a large coffee every day. He's ordering a raspberry mocha maybe because it's Christmas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs>
2: One, you don't know him in his life. Um, and two, I love you very much.
0: Somebody, somebody ordered a toffee nut mocha. That would that would not be good. That's not a good No, I say this as a toffee nut latte drinker. That is my treat drink that I get. Don't put that with a mocha. <sighs>
2: I did notice that like <laughs> half of the drinks were mochas and I did find it a little weird.
0: Well, uh. it's Christmas.
1: We want some chocolate in there. We mm-hmm. need some comfort. Just coffee is abrasive. Unless mm-hmm. you live in New York City, which is not where this book is set. <laughs> no, it is
0: not. In New York City, everybody just drinks black coffee. Yeah. You're um, not allowed to to actually drink other things. I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> nah.
2: But yeah, when you were going on your, when you were talking about Starbucks, I was like, I feel like this book is actually fairly sympathetic to Starbucks. Like, Addie describes it as yeah. her safe place. Um, yeah, Addie
0: and I feel similar. Like-
2: yeah, I was going to say, but okay, um, that was just, that was a beautiful, beautiful rant. And I expect one of us to bring a different rant of that variety every week of the holidays into it.
0: I'm waiting for somebody to hit us up on Twitter and be like, excuse me, a toffee nut mucca is my drink. <laughs> 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 to
1: which we will say, it's probably good. We'll try it out. But we didn't think it existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I do find it refreshing that this book doesn't do the thing that so many books do, where they like make up stores that are clearly just supposed to be real places but they like change the name slightly or whatever i kind of appreciate that this book just like uses real things
0: there is a detail that is not in the book that was in Mm -hmm. the movie that i was disappointed was not in the book which is that in the movie the waffle house is missing the w and everyone calls it the awful house. It's great. It's mm-hmm. it's such a good detail. It's such a good touch. Yeah. And I was sure it was from the book. I was like, that's a fucking no. John Green thing to do.
2: Yeah, no, that's a that's a, <laughs> and that a new was, thing. So
0: like kudos to the script writers. Mm-hmm. That was that was a smart change to make. That was mm-hmm. cute. Very nice.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, like so I I have read this book a lot of times. And part of it is because I I enjoy reading holiday themed mm-hmm. things and I own this book in ebook and so I just read it every Christmas um because it exists um but I also I would say like I would agree with Tepher. It is like if I turn off the critical thinking part of my brain, it is an enjoyable book. Like it is the writing is like for the most part like engaging and funny and good. And, like, it is, it is very dated, and there's, like, a lot of problematic stuff. But it is, like, it is a fun teen holiday romance.
0: I would say beyond the misogyny around cheerleaders, there is not that much that's problematic. Yeah, it's basically just that. There's just so yeah. much of that. Yeah. And I don't feel that it gets called out enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's... The relationships are all pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no like there's no unhealthy behavior being called romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh everybody is the the friendships are good, the family relationships are good. Really the only problematic thing is that a central plot point is that 14 cheerleaders go into a waffle house and they never get any character development beyond mm-hmm. They are 14 cheerleaders in a Waffle House. And I think it would have been a lot more interesting if one of the characters had maybe been one of the cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been, you know, if the main character in the first story, if, if Jubilee had been on what a train with her cheer team, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. instead of the edgy girl with the black bob who doesn't like teenagers. I mean, literally. She's like, I'm not exactly a stripper type. I have a black bob wow and yeah. a mini skirt. <laughs> oh i do not miss high school
2: because this goes so so in julie in the movie her name is jubilee in the book okay wonderful. and she talks about how that's a stripper name and she doesn't look like a stripper
0: a lot a lot she talks yes. about that a lot yeah cool yeah um wow. let's be clear I was a Jubilee in high school. <laughs> well, this is Just very surprising. <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: this is this is from the peak of the not like other girls era of of popular culture. Like this is from the peak of that time and it very much shows. Mm.
0: Um, Insert Haley Steinfeld's "Most Girls." Nope, no reference. Understanding here. Oh, um, that's okay. It's it's not we will a super well known. But send book. you this song. Yeah. Uh, Hannah okay. put me onto the Haley Steinfeld songs.
2: Yeah, it's it's a song called <laughs> put "Most me Girls." To the Haley Steinfeld song. <laughs> so there's a singer called Haley Steinfeld who has a song called "Most Girls," and it's basically like just like um an attack on the not like other girls yeah. phenomenon and the chorus is like i want to be like most girls um most, most girls, girls are smart are and, strong and strong and
0: beautiful, beautiful. Most, most girls, girls work hard go far they are unstoppable. unstoppable my child really loves this song i've heard it seven thousand times uh, oh fun and it starts with her ditching a guy because he tells her she's not like most girls the video does <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch this. It's, it's very good. Um, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, so it's I mean it's two thousand eight, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah. It is like very much the peak of the manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. the peak of the not like most girls. I do feel like John Green in this era was writing a lot of manic pixie dream girls. If you look at Looking he was. for Alaska. Um, and it's just it's just dated in that way. We mm-hmm. hadn't um one point yeah. that is nice. Again, I mean Lauren Miracle's story is really the one that does it for me in this. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice point where um Addie sees Jubilee. No, not Jubilee, she sees the Duke mm-hmm. and says like she's the kind of girl who always makes me feel like I'm too girly. And I did appreciate mm-hmm. that kind of little nod of acknowledgement there. Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: that's interesting yeah because kiernan chipka as the duke i was like oh there's our manic pixie dream girl there she is Uh so i guess they just transposed from one character
0: to the next as well yeah i think they did her character a little dirty in the movie honestly Mm -hmm. Um, I think she's she's certainly the most interesting person in that story. And she does do a a fair bit of calling out her friends misogyny. Mm -hmm. But then I just feel like when she ends up with the guy at the end, she just kind of ends up um, negating all of that and being like, yeah, you've been being shitty. But like, my real problem is that I like you and you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have
1: issues with this storyline. I have a lot of issues with the movie. Um, Yeah, let's let's, get get into into it. Let let us. So this storyline, right? Best friends since forever and hanging out, driving around in some like Vista Cruiser like car. And it's very sweet. It's very saccharine. You can sense the deep longing from the first frame. Right. And there's this idea that this young woman is strong, right? She's the Duke. Mm -hmm. She's pretty badass. She's got great taste in music. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, she meets this person who she finds interesting, but is then stuck in the land of perpetual doubt. Because she is a poor girl who can't make up her own mind about anything. So this new guy that she's dating and who's trying really hard, and I think they, they, they did a great job with that character. Like, he's just, you know, aware enough and tries really hard to, like, defy the jock kind of archetype. But then, as soon as he tells her, "Oh, he's gonna be such a babe magnet once he gets to college because he's a nice guy," one I find incredibly demeaning to uh, nice guys, uh, but also to not nice guys because they're also hot. Right. And then that's the moment where she just becomes this like, oh, this slightly enamored, like wimpyish character who's just. You know, living this like duality, do I want to go with the guy that everyone thinks I should be with because he's in college and he's whatever he does he does Qigong, which I thought was a cool detail, or should I be with my best friend who I'm basically dragging around like a plan B everywhere, and who I mean obviously we are very attractive people because this is a holiday movie, and um you know, I should give him a try because other girls are going to think he's hot. And that is a problem for me. And I got pissed. I got pissed because I was like, you can't have this character who wears like a Sonic Youth t-shirt and loves the Beastie Boys and is all like anti-establishment. Like deep down inside, she can't accept that maybe her best friend is just her best friend and even if he's in love with her she doesn't seem to care that much if we're being honest Mm -hmm. right and then at the end she's upset because she's like oh you were the one and i didn't want to accept that you were the one probably because you're not the
0: freaking one let's be honest Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i did have a slightly different read on that Mm storyline i agree with the criticism of like the character's development Mm -hmm. I didn't think that uh, she was ever dating JP. Mm. I, I thought it was always just kind of JP's a friend and like has been my friend for a while and like he's cool and he's older and he's really nice and this guy I hang out with like I got the impression that she'd had a crush on him, but she'd kind of dismissed that because he had always just treated her. This is maybe me also reading some of the book into. Mm-hmm. They say all the time, like, oh, but you're not a girl. You're you're one of the guys. You're not a girl. Um, and so I, I got the sense of her kind of like having had a thing for him, but having put it on the back burner and been like, JP's back in town and he's really nice to me. And yeah, I want to go hang out with him. But I did I certainly didn't read it like as them dating at any point. And I didn't read that from JP's character either. I thought like JP really kind of always treated them like a collective of buds. I was honestly I mm-hmm. felt a little queer baited by JP's character. I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. I really, really, really thought that he was like, Yeah, bring along your cute guy friend oh yes. so yeah I
1: missed that but yeah. yeah so much casual touching happening in the car chase scene and yeah. things like that yeah. I agree I had yeah. a quick moment where I went "Ooh, maybe Tobin and JP will end up together and I'm into it I was um, so into it yeah
2: <laughs> see I think I'm you read the book after you saw the movie yeah. right so that I think also makes it different because like yeah. you filter it through yeah yeah. I
0: was kind of hoping. I think I, I was yeah. pretty sure this wouldn't happen. But I was thinking that um, Kieran Shipka's character was going to be the girl that... Um, that Dory was into? Yeah. What's their name? That actor. I really like that actor. They're a, a very cool, um, actually, non-binary uh, yeah. actor. Live Hewson. Very cool. Oh, sorry? Live Hewson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Anyway, I thought... They were gonna end up together. Mm. Like like Karen Shipka that was gonna be good. the girl and then like That would have been good, yeah. I was like, Are we getting a queer Christmas holiday movie? Mm-hmm.
1: We got a bit of queerness, but okay, I, I, I will go on another tirade, maybe. Please do. Oh dear <laughs> let it snow, film producers, directors, and writers. <laughs> really, this is the queer content that you give us? two very adorable female pre- characters who meet, spend time together, spend the best night of their lives, as they say, and I just fully eye-rolled while saying that, talking about Harry Potter, talking about their dreams and fears and coming-out stories and blah 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 And then... Obviously, one of them ends up being one of the 14 cheerleaders who walks into the Waffle House. The other is um, Liv Hewson's character, Dory, who is waiting on them and who is super excited to see, you know, this other girl walk in. And now this other girl, because she's with her cheerleading friends, is so rude and mean and it's gratuitous. And it's like watching... Watching Dory get treated like crap was not fun. And then they have, like, this quick 30-second, like, make-out session in the washroom because um, Dory follows uh, the other girl whose character's name I completely forget. I don't think she gets a name. She's just that girl. That... There you go. She's just uh, one of the 14 cheerleaders. She's a cheerleader. She's she's a gay cheerleader. Um, so she, yeah, Dory follows her into the washroom and they have a quick makeout session. And then she goes back to her table of cheerleaders and promptly starts ignoring Dory all over again. And I thought that this really sucked because I get that it's a depiction of a small town. Like it's supposed to be rural-ish. But it's infuriating to believe that the only way for uh, queers to get together is for there to be a significant amount of, like, abuse into it. And at the end of the story, there's this whole revelation about, I'm sorry if you haven't seen the movie. I mean, it's, it's not great. It's not horrible, but, like, the story is not shocking. Um, the cheerleader, the nameless cheerleader, um, you know, ends up just opening up to Dory about the fact that well she lied about coming out and uh, so she's not out to her team she's not out to her parents. she made up a story mm-hmm. because she was intimidated by Dory's openness and Dory's overt queerness and I really just kind of wanted to flip off the television when i when I saw that because it was really insulting it's 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 there are two archetypes now for the queer character mm-hmm. you either get to be the like super out uh you know social justice warrior type or you get to be the closeted um because fear type there is no gray zone there is no there's nothing it is one or the other and when you get the two of them together well one has to treat the other one like crap for them to actually accept and like the fact that she actually accepts the apology at the end I'm like well okay but if you treat me like crap before coming out what makes you believe that like I'm comfortable and can trust that you won't treat me like crap after Mm -hmm. right there's always going to be this something and I thought that that was just it was highly unfortunate yeah like
2: I wanted so much to like that storyline because I was just like deeply jazzed that they had made this book that is deeply straight a little bit queer but it's 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 deeply disappointing and it's Mm not
0: yeah it's not interesting
2: and it's not charming. And
0: yeah I was hoping through the whole storyline that she was going to get a love interest who deserved her mm. I was I was really hoping is it Addie the the like sad character who chases her ex-boyfriend around yeah that's that's Addie yeah okay did Addie dirty um but I was hoping that they would end up together I was like oh. is this going to be another best friends turned love story oh. how nice would that be and um and i was disappointed with the ending i will say live houston mm-hmm. live houston's performance was excellent Great. flawless she she did all of that mm-hmm. awkwardness and tension and just confusion and heartbreak so 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 well i do mm-hmm. think it's a believable choice for her to be like okay I'll mm-hmm. go with you. I just don't think it's a healthy relationship model. Yeah. Um. I did just notice that it is Liv Houston's birthday today wow. as we record. So happy birthday. We, Liv like, you we like you very much. We like you very much. You carried that film, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> I think yeah. that because it's the only representation of, I think, is it the only? Yeah, I think it really is the only uh, queer representation that I get to see in a holiday movie. I wanted yeah. to, like, why don't they get the sparkles and the music and the the, the, the jingle bells and the everything? Like, why does she mm-hmm. have to put up with crap? Like, that's not cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there can be queers, but the
1: queer storyline has to be the angsty one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is horrible, because in reality, a lot of the queer love stories are full of, like, baking and conversations about consent and yeah. hand-holding and boundaries and, you know yeah the same thing that every heterosexual
0: couple depicted gets as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um (sighs) now we haven't touched at all on the pop star storyline is this because there is little to say or oh no okay (laughs) i have a rant on this one so i will let someone else tell the story if oh, I want the like. rant,
2: but I can Okay. I can tell the story. I also so,
0: want the rant. Yeah.
2: So I can tell the story and the two Well, you you did a quick recap. So basically she's like on a train and then the train stalls. And so in the book Stuart different last name but same first name. I forgot they had the same first name um, at least.
0: Okay.
2: Cuz they're like theoretically the same character except for not at all.
0: Uh- <laughs> in any way. They share in- nothing but a first name.
2: Anyway, yeah. yeah.
0: Um and so they
2: like I don't know, they meet on the train and then the train gets stuck in a snowbank. Except for oh, this is the other thing that bothers me about the movie is like the whole the whole plot of this book is based around the fact that it has been like the snowstorm of the century (laughs) it's like three feet of snow on the roads kind of situation in the book and there's like maybe four inches of snow on the ground in the movie and this bothers me anyways continued (laughs) um so they like the train gets stuck, and then they go to the waffle house and then they leave the waffle house and they wander around and yeah it's this, this girl who's sad because her mom is sick um And this, like, lonely pop star and they, like, become friends and then, like, talk about their feelings and go on a toboggan ride. And then he goes to her house and then they, like, almost make out and it's underwhelming.
1: And then her mother (laughs) coughs. And you know that she will eventually die because she coughs once.
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah, we we did remark on that. It's like, oh yeah, of course there has to be the scene where the mother like coughs because then you're reminded that she's dying and it's all very tragic.
0: I've gotta say, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing Caddy's rant, but like, you know who can get it though. Oh.
1: (laughs) I pulled up his name. Okay. Let's let's we're gonna take like three seconds just to address the fact that Shamik Moore has the best smile, the best friendly, kind demeanor in this film. Other than obviously uh, uh, Joan Cusack, who uh, yes. you know, I, I would probably marry. Um, oh. Let's let's be honest. Joan Cusack can always get it. Has always been able to get it. Awkward, geeky. I'm thinking probably a little bit queer. Come oh, on. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah, so she is, like, the epitome of everything. Um, but then Shemeek Moore is just, he's adorable in he this film. A, that man
2: has a beautiful face.
1: Beautiful. I've um. got to say, I was
0: watching this with my partner, and and my partner jumped on the Shemeek Moore train faster than I did, which mm-hmm. often happens when we're watching these movies. But he is... Mm-hmm. Um, like oh this guy's really cute and i was like yeah i mean he's fine uh. and then about like two minutes later i was like oh yeah no mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. so there was something okay so before i go on to my rant
1: there's actually something there was a very sweet moment in that section of the movie when they go for their toboggan ride okay so he's like super fancy pop star mm-hmm. goes to see a bunch of let's be honest, white moms, um, borrows a toboggan from them. And they're all like, oh my God, can we get a selfie? And he's like, yes, of course. I'm so kind. Um, And then they sit down to go on the toboggan ride and we get the most beautiful metaphor for sex that we could ever ask for. They're sitting on the toboggan. Okay. He asks her, are you ready? She says, no, I'm scared. And he's like, no problem, whenever you're ready to go. And then she starts talking about her fears and he addresses her fears. And then she says, I am ready. And there is a very cute, like, two thrust movement to get the toboggan moving. And they start going down the ride and it's very exciting. And then he falls off and rolls it around <laughs> in the snow. And as the snow was exploding, I was, I was sitting with my girlfriend, and I was like, oh, "Is that supposed to be jizz?" And um, what? What? and then she, Julie continues going down the hill, and then. She, she loses complete control and flies (laughs) off of a hill and lands in front of a car that's about to run her over and then Stuart shows up and pushes her into a snowbank, into safety. And they're both lying together side by side in the snow in the shot that you would usually see a couple after having sex in a film. So you just see them shoulders upwards lying in the snow uh, on the side of a highway and they're just kind of giggling and then she starts crying. (laughs) And I was like, that's... That's teenage sex right there.
0: And this, folks, is why you get a degree in sexology.
1: How did I not pick up on that? That's amazing. I am I am
0: blown away. You have I need to watch the movie again.
2: Oh, it's incredible. You've changed my life with this metaphor oh. reading.
1: You're welcome. Um, so wow. that was it was so sweet because I was like, okay, we get a black man who is kind mm-hmm. and who is tender and who has a really big heart and then he gets no backstory they hinted so much and Mm -hmm. this is where i have a bit of a rant um and which explodes into an even larger rant excellent so he has no backstory he is the biggest pop star in the world but he doesn't like he doesn't waste food Mm -hmm. and then it's hinted that maybe he might have grown up in poverty cool and then they never come back to it ever again because this girl trying to decide if she should go to columbia or not because her mother is sick and lives in a beautiful house with another very supportive family member who by the way does a great Mick jagger dance in the film um you know like all of a sudden everything becomes about this and i'm sorry it becomes about this white girl and oh no i'm sorry she's She's latinx Okay, but she is very fully, let's be honest, she's very white passing. Um, and I don't think I don't think I was aware that she was Latinx until she gets home. Her mother has a slight accent. Her grandfather, I think, has a an even, mm-hmm. you know, a, a slightly more intense accent, but that's it. There is like you know, she gets to be the white passing minority. Mm-hmm. And he clearly has issues he clearly has like a desire to help or to something like he's he's lonely he's going to spend christmas in a hotel by himself she she's like All of a sudden, she gets upset because he offers to pay for a nurse to come take care of her mother while she's at college. She sees it as a handout. I was like, excuse me, you live in a beautiful house. Sure, in a rural area, but you live in a beautiful house that gives me the impression that you would have the means. You're talking about going to Columbia. Not once has the idea of money been brought up. Yes, go ahead.
2: There is a very Um, brief mention of the reason she can't defer is because she'll lose her scholarship. There you go. But it is very brief.
1: That's it. So it turns into this, like, no, black men, don't help me. You're trying to save me and make me, like, subservient or something. Or, like, treat me as a charity case and see me as lesser than. And I was like, okay, so if someone who is even more marginalized than you, if I'm being honest, right, is in a position of privilege to be able to give you support, why do we have to paint this person as a bad person? And then you know she's like she pushes him away and pushes him away and pushes him away and this kind kind little man comes back at the end and she like she she craps all over his music and like all that fun stuff and then at the end he's like there ready to make out with her and no one else notices that he's super famous uh, when they <laughs> did beforehand but that's fine um and it's just frustrating and it made me want and this is where i get real angry It made me want for them to not end up together, not because of racial reasons, but because this child needs to do some freaking growing up. Mm -hmm. And I hate these depictions of like slightly neurotic female identifying characters who can't. Give a crap about anything that is beyond the tips of their noses, okay, it's just, it's not fair, it's not realistic in my opinion either, like there's no, there's no, uh, there's nothing reflexive, like she's not thinking about anything, she is thinking about herself and her one cough mother, and uh, come on, <laughs> come on on give us a bit more depth this character could have at that moment been very open and clear and said like hey i grew up in poverty i mean it's a it's an american film i'm not gonna get upset if you paint the black guy as the one who grew up poor although do better but like let's do something about this like let's use this this material that could be really rich instead of focusing on like Just this one girl freaking out about, like, oh, do I want to go to my privileged school? Oh, no, someone's offering me help. God forbid I take the help. Right? And he's going to love me forever. And he's going to fly me to New York. And we're going to live together. And Pegasus will fly across the screen.
0: I was pissed. I didn't like it.
2: Deeply fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've yeah. got to say with the hinting at his backstory, I also noticed that. Mm-hmm. And just because I am currently in script writing and media classes, what I suspect is that the original screenplay had his backstory. And then the mm-hmm. editors, producers, directors were like, you know what, we don't need this guy's backstory. Mm-hmm. I also just, as you were saying, that opened the back flap of the book to look at the color of the authors who write. Yeah, oh stories. no, this is
1: a Lily White book.
0: <laughs> Who did mm-hmm. consult on the film, but I was like, well, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This let let us be
1: very honest. And there's definitely a racial issue here and and I'm going to continue mm-hmm. ranting because um, I'm, I'm an angry lady today. <gasps> okay. Um this film, they did a really nice job of trying to represent cultural diversity. Right? We've got the black like the magical Negro, let's be honest, right? We've got a fancy, rich, cultured black man who saves this young Latinx, young baby Gina Rodriguez. Um, And then we have the fat Asian boy who plans, uh, Keon, who plans an entire party um, in order to uh, seduce a girl who never shows up. Because, you know, God forbid an Asian guy win. Oh, God forbid a fat guy wins. Uh, but whatever. And then there is uh, one of the cheerleaders is, I'm going to say brown because I don't know the cultural background, but is a total idiot, like literal idiot, right? And then, oh, is, is there any... Uh, sign of a black woman? No, because we don't deserve Christmas, because we don't get love, we don't get happy endings. There, probably, there might have been one, but she was probably scrubbing someone's floor. Like, what? Why? Why do you make such an effort, but then you take the group that everyone hates? Right? Just can someone one day give me a film at Christmas time where a black woman can date someone. I don't care the gender. I don't care about race. But where they don't get like treated like crap, uh, where they just get the same story as whatever manic pixie dream girl gets. Please. It's so frustrating. I was watching it and I was like, okay, so The black guy ends up with a Latinx woman because that's a step up from black women. Great. Um, There are no black women here. Great. The Asian guy ends up alone because, well, you know, at least he was represented, right? Um, uh, Come on. Like, we try to be diverse, but, like, we don't think about how we're being diverse. It's we're just saying, like, look, look at this myriad of colors and types of last names. But we don't actually think of how we're representing these people. As a black person, I have been watching Christmas movies for 35 freaking years. Other than all black movies in which like black women get the short end of the stick, let us be honest, they get treated like crap, cheated on, etc. And they never win. I have never seen someone who looks like me in a Christmas movie come out as a winner. And with, you know, nieces and things like that. And I want to share my love of Christmas movies. But I get to show them freaking Love Actually with a bunch of turtlenecks in it, but no black women. I get to... like, I got a lot of vitriol in here. Sorry. Excuse me. (laughs) Don't
2: apologize. It's extremely fair. Um, Like, I mean, I think I was thinking this when I watched the movie, but especially as you were talking. Like, this movie is... So this movie is trying to be better than all of the all white Christmas movies. But it is doing it and I think you illustrated this very well through tokenism. Ringy ding ding. Um, Cuz like as you said there's like there is one of there is there is like one black person. There is oh, there there are two asian people and there is one brown person. Checked there's all the boxes. Gay person. There's one <laughs> queer person. Checked all the boxes.
0: One fat person who's still a joke. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can. Which I mean and also of course as a fat man who mm-hmm. we see win more often than we see fat women. Yep. Yeah. Um that's it. Uh uh yeah. uh this is like uh yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like it's so performative, right? Like you, and clearly, like I mean, the same with we go back to the the queer storyline. Like clearly, they were like, "Oh, in this day and age, can we really do an ensemble Christmas movie where all the romances are straight? No, we can't. Better shoehorn in something, um, but not trying to do justice to it." And the same, the same is true of the race representation
0: well it's also bizarre to me that they took stewart a character who is white in the book Mm -hmm. who's jewish in the book yeah and they said well we need some black representation so we should turn this character black Mm -hmm. but if we turn this character black and he's just you know a guy who just lives with his mom and and his little sister well that's not really a very interesting character once he's black So,
1: so let's make him an international pop star who grabs his crotch Right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, frankly, like... Yeah,
2: because Stuart has a delightful family in the book.
0: Yeah. I don't want to... I don't... I, I love who they cast for Stuart, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's like, you could have done... I, I don't know, like... No I'm go- just thinking, like, what if it was a like, K-pop star so nobody really recognized him and he could be anonymous? And, mm. like, like, if you wanted to change the character that dramatically, it's just kind of, why did you... You could have just cast this character black. He could have just been the same character.
1: But then he yeah. wouldn't be able to have a family because the black family is like this great old mystery. And, you know, I hate Bill Cosby, but gosh, we are due for like another type of Cosby show with someone who's less problematic so that people remember we are humans mm-hmm. with families. We also celebrate holidays of our choosing. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Well, I mean, yeah. I think John Green once wrote somebody's black friend whose family had the biggest collection of black Santas in the world. Mm-hmm. That's like a lot of black Santas for one book.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, oh! <laughs> it's just I'm and I'm like, look, I'm 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 angry, and I I always feel a little bit guilty being angry, and I. I You know, I think that's normal because every time we get upset, we feel like we're overtaking the conversation with our anger. However, I'm going to keep doing this rant until I get interesting representation. Someone out there just like, Brittany Morris, do you want to write a Christmas book? Please? Please?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, they missed out in titling this book because it could have been called...
2: White Christmas.
1: <laughs> I'm about to flip this table in front of this hearth with a crackling fire and send um, all of our warm mead flying into the ether.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, Caddy, just have another little bit of eggnog.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: the only like even slightly good thing that this book does in re-race is there's there is a moment where one of the like characters who's supposed to be shitty gets called out for having white girl dreadlocks.
0: That was that that is a point, but it's not. She's not called out as racial as cultural appropriation. She's called out as like Ugh. that's
2: true. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they don't examine why it's a shitty thing. Yeah, like, you don't want to be a
0: cheerleader, but you don't want to be this edgy girl either.
2: Oh yeah, I just like read into it that the reason they thought it was shitty was because <laughs> it's, it's cultural appropriation. But no, that's oh, okay
1: going like I take Google. it back it wasn't that wasn't even good huh. so if we do the decade challenge there would be a photo of me angry in 2009 and a photo of me angry in 2019 and um, I'm not gonna lie I don't look like I've aged a day in the past 10 years I believe neener that. Neener.
0: Um, <laughs> I remember when I found out yeah. that you were older than me and I almost fell over I was yeah. just like what
1: it's also because I dress up like I'm 14 and listen to a lot of Nirvana. Uh (laughs) Nirvana keeps you young. It do. It really do. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this is the first installation of our our cheesy, fluffy... (laughs)
2: Light. Yeah, you t- you two both said to me, "You are not allowed to have any critical thinking in December," and I and I came here fully prepared to like turn off my critical thinking. I was like, "Oh, I have all these like opinions about this book," but like Teffer said, no critical thinking in December.
0: Hey, now I just had opinions on Starbucks drinks.
2: <laughs> that is that is mainly the thing you had opinions on. <laughs>
0: Um, we are still looking for recommendations for Mm -hmm. Christmas books that are less white so (laughs) please for the love of Black Santa (laughs) um, (laughs) for the love of all things holy if you know Mm. a good YA holiday book that is not about a white protagonist or by a white author please 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 tell us because we really want one and Mm -hmm. so far we can't Find one.
2: Yeah, I've looked. I've looked hard. I found. I found an article about <laughs> why, about how there aren't any um young adult holiday books that are either by authors of color or have protagonists of color. It really. Um, seems it was called that... "I'm Not Dreaming of a White Christmas." It was very well written. Um,
0: it, it really yeah. seems like when people like talk about diversity in Christmas books, they mean there are some Jews in this one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a book can only be about one special thing. So like, if a book is already about the holidays as a special thing, it can't be about diversity also. <laughs>
0: how many how many tokens can you have per book? Uh,
1: <laughs> the Magic of Christmas does not touch non-white people. Okay.
2: <laughs> I like I I want it to be fully clear how sarcastic I was being Yes, there. yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, um, folks. <laughs> yeah. Can I make one more complaint about the movie real quick? Yeah. Yes. Um, that I just thought was very silly. So the, the movie, like, clearly changes the book so, so much. But they, like, there are a few things that are major plot points in the book that, like, are totally erased in the movie. But they, like, sort of try and have them anyways. And it's just deeply baffling. And I'm like, why bother? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, My, like the pig
2: oh. is, a, is a major plot point in the book and then there's just this pig for no reason in the movie anyways that's all and they changed
0: the character who's into pigs yes well yeah. they, they
2: they just erased the yeah. character who likes pigs
0: I do want to say one more thing the final thing that I am upset about is that there is no Waffle House in Quebec
1: mm. this is true
0: and all I want is some hash browns
1: is, is the Waffle
2: House a real thing? Yeah, Waffle House. Is, oh, I've never. Experienced oh, I guess this. it's not Canadian. Waffle I, I Waffle think it's House just is a Canadian. U.S. chain. Okay,
0: uh, uh, Waffle House is waffles and and hash browns. And I, I assumed it was waffle. Um, waffle House shows up in Seradasan as well. Okay. Oh yeah. no, but she does like a fake Waffle House. Yeah, anyway. she doesn't. Yeah. Yes, the Waffle House is a breakfast chain. Much much. Hip. The Waffle House is a breakfast chain, much like IHOP. I think it is maybe mostly in the South. Okay. This is North Carolina. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, please suggest a book for us to read. Please, if you know of a holiday book by a non white author, please suggest it for us to read. Or just want to say hi, send us an email at the yeah Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at yeahpodcast. And individually, I'm at caddy double underscore D. I'm at the Balesosaurus.
0: And I'm at Tefer Bear.
2: If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout outs, guest appearances, and more. Head to yeah yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Setchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Deaver. Dever? Dever?
0: It's still Dever.
2: <laughs> I'm doing this thing now where I like know that one of them is wrong, and I can't remember which one is wrong. Uh, <laughs> Matt Dever, I'm so sorry, Matt. I will, I will get it eventually.
0: <laughs> we have merch. Hit the merch link in the description, in the description of this episode, to get some from the fine folks of Red Tea Public.
1: You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Perhaps, perhaps with, with someone else who's angry. Perhaps with your ranty friends. Someone who needs a good dose of in their day.
2: Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com.
0: This episode was produced by me, Tephora Jemian, and edited by Tom Zolat and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! Bye! Bye!
2: I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upward Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her Piper? back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upford Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're
1: blasting off again! Ding.
0: Oh hi! Do you ever wonder if picking
2: your own name for Secret Santa and then buying yourself a gift makes you a sociopath? Or if everything is everything, then how much of everything is there? Or what exactly a Mo'guana is? Well, that one's just a way of saying more iguana. Or maybe you wonder what the death of a friendship over the course of 50 episodes sounds like. Whatever your questions, you can find the answers and also more questions on Lasers on the Ride podcast. Now a member of the Upford Network, available wherever you usually get your podcasts.